0: Welcome, Albrook Baptist Church. Good to see each of you here this morning. Beautiful day to be in the Lord's house. You know, every day is a beautiful day to be in the Lord's house because everything just gets better when you're in the Lord's house. And boy, I tell you what I do. I love this time of year. I believe as Brother Danny said in Sunday school this morning, if it just stayed like this, you know, through about March, that'd just be perfect. But uh, I don't know if we're going to get that. but do love this time of year. Just thank the Lord for His goodness. Thank the Lord for the privilege and opportunity to be in His house. Of course, this is the first Sunday in November. And of course, November is the month that Thanksgiving is in. And of all the holidays on the calendar, I believe the most Christian holiday on the calendar is the holiday of Thanksgiving because the Bible tells us in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so during the month of November, we like to put a little extra emphasis on our Thanksgiving, although we should always be people who are thankful and who are recognizing the goodness of God to us, but we ought to uh, put a little emphasis on it this month. And so this month, the opening song that we'll sing each Sunday morning is, I am blessed. So if each of you would stand to your feet, the words will be on the screen. Brother Randy will come and lead us in, I am blessed. Thank <laughs> Sure, is I am blessed. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we have a special treat. Uh, Mr. Josiah Fisher is going to come and quote Psalm one hundred. Hey, so you come on. Let me help. You, there you go.
1: <laughs> Psalm one hundred. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come. Before his presence was singing, know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth, endureth unto all generations.
0: Good job, buddy. Amen. Very, very good. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. All right. We're going to go to the Lord in the word of prayer. And after we pray, the choir is going to sing for us this morning. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to come to your house. We thank you, dear Lord, for the effectiveness of your word. And Lord, how it, it shapes us, it molds us, it instructs us, it convicts us. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come together. And Lord, we can learn from your word. I thank you. Dear Lord, for the young people, uh, Lord, that are memorizing Scripture. I thank you for the parents, Lord, that are training up their children, Lord, to prioritize your Word. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you, dear Lord, for this opportunity to worship together. Father, I pray as we go through this service this morning, uh, Lord, as we worship in song, as Lord, we share testimonies, Lord, as we fellowship, Lord, as we look at your Word, Father, I pray that in everything you will be glorified. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, turn around, shake hands with one another as the choir comes down. Amen, amen. It's wonderful to be in the Lord's house this morning. Good to see each one of you. Good to see the family of God fellowshipping together, spending time together, amen. Praise the Lord for his goodness. As you make your way back to your seat, you can go ahead and be seated. Uh, And so uh, just before we do the announcements, just before we do the announcements, uh, Brother Mike Snell wants to come and uh, share a word of testimony. Uh, so Brother Mike, if you want to come now and make your way up here, uh, as you know, uh, Brother Mike and Wendy uh, lost a child this past week, but boy, I'm telling you what, their testimony has just shown so brightly, and Brother Mike asked if they could have opportunity for him to share testimony this morning. So Brother Mike, you come right on.
2: I'm going to get used to y'all so I'm not nervous like I was last time. All right. Um, first thing I want to say is, is thank all of you, every single one of you, for your uh, your comfort and your support that you gave us through phone calls, messages, and, and prayer. That that meant the world to us. Um, speaking of which, uh, a comfort, uh, Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians 1. Uh, Chapter 1, 3 through 4 says, it's a tongue twister, so bear with me. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Um, That's what y'all did for us. Um, You took the comfort that God has given you and shown you through your pain and sorrows, and you shared that comfort with us. Um, so now we're also able to be able to do that for others now and, and share that comfort because we know we know how that feels and, and what that means. So we're able to pass that along to others. So there's one good thing that that's uh, been a takeaway from all this. Um, also, also, um, although it wasn't God's plan for us to have this baby, um, all of this was still part of his plan. We believe that we want you all to believe that, too. Um, I want all of you to know that God heard all of the prayers and none of them were in vain. Okay. None of them, that, that's not our God. He, he heard us and they're not in vain. None of this was in, in vain. God knows what he's doing. Um, maybe, maybe this was uh to help us realize how big of a family we have. Uh, in, in less than a year's time, I, I can't tell you how many new brothers and sisters I have out here with all y'all. I mean, that, that's just amazing. Um, Maybe, it's to, maybe all this was to prepare us and strengthen us for the road ahead. Uh, maybe this was a test of our faith. I uh, just keep thinking about job all the time. Uh, maybe it was all these things, and then some. We don't know, but what we do know is that God was with us and we were with God. That, that's the most important thing is, is to be with God. I think I heard it somewhere they were going into battle or something, getting ready to do something. They said, "Do you think God's with us?" And somebody said, "That's the wrong. That's the wrong question. The question should be, are we with God? You need to be with God and and then he'll be with you and and help you out. Um, So a year ago, um, this this would have been, this right here is our fourth child um, failed pregnancy, we'll say. Um, So if this had happened a year ago, we wouldn't have been able to handle this the way that we did. Um, We would have had anger. Our hearts would have hardened. We would have withdrew from everything, had resentment. We would have been in a bad place. We wouldn't have shared any of this with anyone. Uh, We just don't and didn't put ourselves out there like that. Um, We did this time because we felt like we were in a good place with all of y'all backing us and supporting us. Um, We didn't and still don't want um, anyone to to feel sorry for us, okay? Because we're strong in our faith. And what we do want um, is for all of you to know that we are okay. Um, Several months ago, we we started our life over again. We rebuilt our life with a new rock-solid foundation. Everything we do and the decisions we make, they start with God. Uh, your comfort in God is what got us through this, so thank you all for that. Um, so maybe there's another good thing to come from this. We know failed pregnancies are actually more common than we thought. I think this is because people don't like to talk about it. Maybe because of guilt, shame, sorrow, et cetera, we don't know. But we want everyone to know that if you have God truly with you and an awesome support and prayer group like you all, then you can talk about anything. You can get through anything. You can get, get that burden off of you. Uh, just, just take your burdens, fears, anxieties, whatever's weighing you down and take them to God. Um, if you don't know God or haven't been saved, please don't let your burdens or fears or whatever it is weighing you down, don't let it hold you back and stop you. Don't think that you have to get your problems or issues sorted out first. Maybe you're afraid of commitment. Maybe you don't feel like you know enough about the Bible to be saved. Um, Don't worry, there's no quiz that, you know, once you get saved, there's no quiz about knowledge in the Bible. Maybe you think you're not good enough. Guess what? None of us are good enough. Um, Maybe you just love sin and don't want to change. Maybe you're just hopeless and lost. Guess what? None of this matters, and none of this should be holding you back from coming to the Lord. And receiving His grace. If anything, you should come to know Christ first, and then He can help you with your problems. Um, Matthew, i got a note in here to turn to that. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest into your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let it go let it go. Just let, let your problems go and, and come to God and, and then deal with your problems and, and see how things change for you. I'm here to tell you that life is completely different when you come to know Christ and what he has done for us. Um, again, just uh, thank all of y'all for your support and I hope that God blesses y'all. He already has blessed all y'all, but I hope he blesses you even more and it blesses you every day. So just, just thank all of y'all for your support. Amen. Amen. We love y'all.
0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. Thank you for sharing that. And boy, I tell you what, thank the Lord for the testimony of Mike and Wendy as they went through this trial. And and thank the Lord for the testimony of you as a church. I was thinking, boy, that song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And boy, I'm telling you what, I thank the Lord that Marlbrook is a church that loves on each other. And boy, I hope we never lose that. Boy, I'm telling you what, there is something special about a church family that just loves on each other. We're all different. We all have... Uh, quirks and, and and we're all weird. If you want to be honest about it, you know we all have different ways and things about us. But you know what? We look beyond that. We look over that, and we love on each other. And that's what the family of God is all about. And boy, I'm telling you what, uh, through this uh, the trial that Mike and Wendy went through, boy, the church family has just stepped up and and loved on them, and they've loved back. And boy, I tell you what, thank you and thank you, brother Mike, for the call to the gospel. Amen. I'm telling you what, everything is better when you have Jesus in your life. Trials still come, hardships still come, the the problems still come, but if you've got Jesus in your life, he goes through it with you. And boy, I tell you what, we praise the Lord for that. We've got a couple of announcements uh, to make uh, this morning, so I just want to go over a couple of announcements with you. I do have a uh, thank you card uh, from Miss Stephanie and her mother. Uh, Of course... uh, uh, Stephanie's dad went to be with the Lord uh, this past week, and so they've given us a card here. Uh, says, Dear Marlbrook Baptist, we want to say thank you for the prayers, love, wonderful service, and food. We appreciate each and everyone who helped. Thank you for the prayers during our time of loss. We love you, the Rhodes and the Tyree families. And so do continue to show your support to them as well. And, and, and let this, these uh, things be a witness to us that all of us, all of us have things that we're going through. Everybody has things that they're dealing with, things that they're struggling with. Let us just constantly be a people who strengthen one another. So I do be in prayer for Miss Stephanie and her family, uh, Brother Mike and Wendy and their family and the others. And so a few other things. Uh, this evening, Brother Eloyd Harona, uh, he is a Filipino preacher. He actually preached for us uh, several years ago, right after we got back from the Philippines, I believe. Uh, he preached for us here. Uh, he is in the States. He is raising support. Uh, he contacted me this weekend uh, looking for... For a place to stay. And uh, so uh, I said, well, do you have somewhere to preach uh, Sunday night? And he said, no, I don't. And so he said he w- he'll be here with us uh, this evening. Several Ever Love. You met him while we were on the trip there to the Philippines. Uh, he is uh, married now and he's raising support to go back to the Philippines. So he'll be here preaching for us, uh, singing for us this evening. So looking forward to having uh, him here with us this evening. Uh, November 15th. November 15th is our end of the year uh, business meeting. That's a Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. So at our end of the year business meeting, of course, we'll be uh, voting on the proposed budget for 2024 and also voting on uh, replacement deacons every three years. Uh, Our deacons serve a three-year term and then they rotate off for a year uh, and then uh, they can be reelected or not. And so we have a couple of deacons rotating off this year. So we'll be voting to replace uh, those deacons and so um and we'll be voting on those things on November 15th is that something that you're interested in being a part of I encourage you uh, to be here uh, that Wednesday evening at seven o'clock and be a part of that our Thanksgiving dinner and praise service is Tuesday November 21st and so uh, the week of Thanksgiving we move our midweek service from Wednesday to Tuesday and on that evening we have a Thanksgiving dinner and a time of praise in the fellowship hall uh, so that'd be Tuesday at 7 I encourage you to come and to be a part of that, uh, Bonnie. Uh, it's putting together a list of menu items. So if you're able to help bring some of those items, see Bonnie uh, for what items it is that you need to bring. And then this Friday, this coming Friday uh, at seven o'clock, will be our first nativity rehearsal over at the fairgrounds. So if you have signed up to be a part of the rehearsal or a part of the nativity, do your best to be there at that rehearsal, uh, so we can uh, kind of see who we have and we can assign people to their roles and get things sorted as far as what costumes we're going to need and so forth. I tried to send out a link to the YouTube to everyone that I had contact information for. If you did not get that link to the YouTube video from where we did it last year, let me know. I'll be happy to send that to you. I encourage you to watch it. Uh, Just remind yourself of how the program flowed uh, so that we can start getting this put together and looking forward. Uh, to that. There is a a baby blessing table for Jake and Kaylee Griffin and uh, that little one is still hanging in there. Here a few weeks ago we thought he was going to show up, but he's uh, nope hanging in there a little while. So uh, uh, Do be in prayer for them and uh, pray that the Lord blesses them. Also, I do want to say if uh, if the ushers want to come forward, they can go ahead and make their way forward, receive our morning offering. As they're coming forward though, uh, I do want to say thank you uh, for all the gifts and the appreciation. Somebody someday uh, decided that October would be uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, so they jotted that down on the calendar. I never uh, make a big deal about it at all, uh, but many of you did make a big deal out of it last month and showed a lot of appreciation to to me, and I just want to thank you uh, for the gifts and the appreciation. I do enjoy serving at Marlbrook Baptist Church. You're a wonderful church family, and I am blessed to be a part of this church, and I thank you for everything that you do for us. Brother Ted, will you pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the offering?
3: Father God, we just thank you for the service that we've had so far. We thank you for the testimony. We thank you for the special music. Father, we just thank you for this church. Father, we pray that you will use this offering for the missions and ministry of our church, that many might come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. <coughs>
4: I've had a dollar to my name I've had friends that walked away And I've even lost myself a time or two There were bridges crossed and burned But through all the wreckage, I have learned there is one thing that i can never lose if i got jesus i got all that i could ever need take the world away from me and i'll be okay if i got jesus there's hope that's living deep inside A joy that I could never hide, And a safe place to fall If I got Jesus I got it all I've seen weakness turn to strength I've seen failures met with grace And it's not from what I've done It's Christ in me A miracle I can't explain. Oh, he's given me his name. I'm the richest man that I could ever be. If I got Jesus, I got all that I could ever need. Take the world away from me and I'll be okay i got jesus there's a hope that's living deep inside a joy that i could never hide in a safe place to fall if i got jesus i've got it all someday that trumpet's gonna sound and the king Heaven will ride upon the clouds Coming down I'll hit my knees Oh Lord, it sings my soul I'm going home If I got Jesus I've got all that I could ever need Take the world away from me And I'll be okay if I've got Jesus There's a hope that's living deep inside A joy that I could never hide In a safe place to fall If I've got Jesus I've got it all
3: Beautiful job. Beautiful song. Amen. All right, if you want to get your hymnal we'll and turn to hymn number 624, the words will be on the screen for Count Your Blessings. We'll do all four verses. <laughs> maine endless-
5: to sing the song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, based on Job, and this morning Miss Wendy shared this verse, and it was Job 1.20, then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshiped. day of Job's trial, he rose up to serve God as any other day. Bound and determined to live in God's favor, and nothing would stand in his way. Then the messengers came one by one with their stories. In just a few moments, Job lost all he had From great wealth to riches to the health of his body And even his children were dead The Lord giveth, he taketh away Blessed be the name name of the lord then his wife came before him to voice her opinion she said you should end it just curse god and die Job rose from the ashes and looked towards the heavens brushed back the tears from his eyes
0: Phenomenal job, beautiful song, blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, I tell you what, there's been, a, there's been a theme to the service this morning that I didn't orchestrate, but I believe God did. There's been a theme to the service this morning of giving glory to God despite our circumstances. Yes. Giving glory to God despite the troubles we face, the problems we encounter. Giving glory to God. Amen. Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, I wonder if there's someone here this morning that God wrote a message different than the one I wrote and you've been struggling with giving God glory in face of your circumstances. Maybe there's someone here that's been battling something and something's going on in your life and you've been struggling with saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but as I've sat in this service this morning, I've seen how God just fit every song, every testimony. He has fit everything together. And there has been a message that's went out that said, regardless of my circumstances, blessed be the name of the Lord. I encourage you this morning, if you are allowing bitterness to grow in your life, learn to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you look at that story of Job, if you look at that story of Job, the Bible says that Job, in the midst of his despair, he went and he sat on the altar. And you say, why would he go sit on the altar? Because in the midst of of his trouble at the bottom of the barrel when it couldn't get any worse Job went and sat on the altar. What is the picture of an altar? The picture of the altar is where you sacrifice in the bottom of the barrel Job went and sat on the altar and he said God if there is anything else that you need from me I am yours take it I belong to you. Boy I'm telling you what what a testimony blessed be the name of the Lord thanks to everyone who has lived to the Lord in preparation for this Sunday and has listened and followed and obeyed the Lord and allowed the Lord to speak through you. We're going back to the book of Romans this morning. Boy, I tell you what, I hope that y'all are not getting tired of Romans because the more time I spend in Romans, the more excited I'm getting about Romans. Boy, I'm telling you what, there is just a lot of truth here and uh, I'm I'm having a hard time uh, sticking with uh, the next two messages because I'm really wanting to get to the third message. I'm telling you, boy, the the message that is coming in a couple Sundays, I just wanted to skip everything and get to it uh, because, my goodness, what a powerful truth uh, that we're going to explore here in Romans chapter number three. But I believe it is important uh, for you to get uh, what we're going to see here in a couple of Sundays. I think it's important that we lay the groundwork. And so we're going to continue preaching through these passages, I pray. I pray that the Lord is allowing me to communicate clearly to you from the Word of God and that you are being able to follow the the train of thought as we go through the book of Romans. You know what? Many times we go through the Bible, maybe we can quote the books of the Bible, but we don't have a real good grasp of what that book of the Bible is about or what it teaches. And I pray that uh, uh, you are being able to follow with us as we see what is being dealt with here in the beginning of the book of Romans. We've seen in the first part of chapter number one, Paul introduced his theme, Paul Paul's theme is uh, nothing more than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He introduces his theme that there is only one way of salvation and that is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second half of chapter number 1, Paul clearly and without any question uh, uh, shows us the guilt of the heathen. Uh, He shows us that those that give their lives over to a life of sin, those that give themselves over to a life of depravity, are headed for judgment. He comes into chapter number 2 and of course the moral man uh, steps up and says, I am not the heathen. I do not live like that. I do not partake like that. So I should be okay. And Apostle Paul takes uh, the first half of chapter number 2 and he clearly explains uh, that mor- morality uh, and good works, uh, depending on yourself and what you're able to do, will not ever get you into heaven because salvation is only through grace and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see the religious man steps up in the second half of chapter number 2 and the religious man steps up and says, well I'm not a heathen, neither am I trusting in my good works but I am trusting in my religion. And we see how that they put their faith in the fact that they knew the law. They put their fact in the faith that they had obeyed and complied with the law, they had followed with the ceremonial rites of circumcision, they said, therefore, we must be okay. And Paul took the second half of chapter number 2 and he let them know that if you are trusting in what you are able to accomplish in the law, there is no salvation for you because salvation only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the point that Paul is driving home over and over and over again. Now we come to chapter number 3 and we find an interesting thing takes place. Because uh, as you see all along, Paul has said the heathen are guilty. And the, and, and the heathen didn't deny that. Paul said the moral are guilty. And the moral doesn't deny that. Now last week in the message when we were looking at the religious man, we said it's often the hardest person to convince uh, that they need God is those who are trusting in their religion. And we see in the second half of chapter number 2 that Paul explains the guilt of the religious. Man, and in chapter number three, we see the objection of the religious. The objection of the religious. The religious man uh, speaks up. Now, we understand that Paul is writing this book, and so the objections that we see in chapter number three are objections that Paul is stating that he feels the religious. Would make you understand that Paul, before his conversion, was a Pharisee. Paul was a teacher of the law. Paul understood the law. Uh, He was one that expounded the law. He uh, rejected Christianity uh, uh, because of his Pharisaical upbringing. He rejected Christianity. Of course the Lord met Paul uh, on the road to Damascus. Uh, Paul was miraculously converted and now Paul is spreading the gospel which if we could just take a little rabbit trail right here that is uh, the natural response uh, of anyone who is truly born again. They will have within them uh, a desire to tell others uh, about what God has done for them. And so Paul sets out uh, to share the gospel uh, and he's spreading the gospel but because of his Pharisee background, Paul knows how the religious but lost people think. And so in the beginning of chapter number 3, Paul gives three objections to the argument in the end of chapter number 2. So in the end of chapter number 2, Paul explains the guilt of the moral of the religious man and in the beginning of chapter number 3 verse 1 down through verse number 9, Paul gives us the objection of the religions religious. So we're going to read starting in verse number 1 of Romans chapter 3. We're going to read down through verse number 9 and then we're going to jump into the message this morning. The Bible says Romans 3 verse number 1, what advantage then hath the Jew? What profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we begin to divide the precious Word of God, Father, I pray that you will enable us, Lord, to break open the Word of God. I pray to Lord that it will be clear I pray to Lord that it'll be understandable. I pray to Lord that it'll be applicable. Father, I pray as we look at this message that Lord we won't uh, we won't be those Lord who uh, cast it back on the Jews or Lord we cast it over to our brother, but Lord that we will open our own hearts. we will examine ourselves and Father we will see if we are guilty, uh, Lord of putting our faith in something other than the death, burial and resurrection of yourself. Lord, I pray that you will be with us as we go through this message. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to hearts. Lord, I pray if there be one here in this service this morning that doesn't know you Savior, oh, Father, Lord, would you open their eyes, open their minds, open their hearts, and, Lord, I pray that they'll put their trust in you. Father, I pray, dear Lord, for those of us here, oh Lord, who have put our trust in you, that, Father, Lord, as we understand, uh, uh, Father, the truth of salvation and what it means, uh, uh, Father, Lord, that it will generate in us a desire to spread the gospel to the world around us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving your word. Lord, that we might have it, that we might study it. Lord, that we might know you. Bless in the service I pray and Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now as we go through this passage of Scripture, I'll give you something that will help you to follow along and understand this passage of Scripture. When we, If you read this passage, verse 1 through 9, you just read it straight through, it can be a confusing passage of Scripture to read if you do not understand what is taking place in this passage. When you look at this passage of Scripture, we see that there are questions and answers, questions and answers throughout the passage. Verse number 1, Is a question that is asked. Verse number two is an answer. And we'll come back and cover these uh, better in just a moment, but I just want to give you the structure so you can follow with me. Verse number one is a question. Verse number two is an answer. Verse number three is a question. Verse number four is the answer. Verse number 5 is a question and verse number 6 down through verse number 8 is the answer. So whenever you look at this, you see verse number 1 is a question, verse number 3 is a question, and verse number 5 is a question. These questions uh, are the objections that Paul feels uh, that the religious would raise because of the argument that he gave in the end of verse number 2. So we're going to look at each of these objections uh, this morning uh, and then look at the answers that reveals the fallacy of each objection. The first objection that Paul anticipates coming from the religious uh, is what we see in verse number one is the Jews are saying, if what you say is true, Paul, if what you say is true concerning the guilt of the religious, uh, then Scripture is deceptive. Objection number one, if what you say about us is true, then Scripture is is deceptive. Uh, The Bible says there in Romans 3 and verse number 1, what advantage then hath the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? In other words, the Jews would respond to Paul saying that the religious were guilty, that the Jewish nation was guilty because they were putting their faith in their religious works rather than in God. They would respond then what profit is it, what advantage is it to be a Jew. You see the Jews understood that they were God's chosen people. They very religiously protected their lineage and their heritage back to Abraham. They knew well the story of Abraham being called out. They knew well the promise that God had given to Abraham. They knew well that they were the descendants of Abraham and as thus they were God's chosen people and in their minds they felt that they Got a free pass uh, as opposed to the moral people uh, and the heathen people. They got a free pass because they were God's chosen people. Not only were they God's chosen people, uh, but they were the only group of people uh, who had adhered to the commandments of the law. They were the only group of people uh, that in that day practiced uh, the, the, the ceremonial rite of circumcision, and they were the only ones who were adhering to that. And They said, Paul, if we are guilty, then what good is it to be a Jew? We were told, Paul, we were told that being a Jew and keeping the law is all that was required for salvation. Paul, if you are telling us that we are guilty, then we've been lied to. If you're telling us that being a Jew and keeping the law has not provided salvation, then Paul, Scripture has deceived us. You're saying our heritage and our obedience is of no benefit. Paul, if what you're saying is true about our guilt, then there is no profit whatsoever to all of this religious nonsense of being God's chosen people and keeping the law. They are saying to Paul, either you are wrong concerning our guilt or the Scripture is wrong concerning our redemption, but either way, we should get a free pass because it's not our fault. Does this not sound familiar? Boy, I'm telling you what, I've met people who were doing what they thought they had been told to do. Maybe they had joined the church. Maybe they had been baptized, whatever it may be. But they were doing what they thought they had been told to do and someone comes along and says to them that your church membership won't get you to heaven. Your baptism won't get you to heaven. The only thing that will get you to heaven is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they say, I've been lied to. They were putting their faith in something other than the Lord Jesus Christ and they want to accuse the person who is revealing the truth that they've been lied to. In verse number 2, Paul answers this objection by pointing out that they do indeed have an advantage. Although being a Jew does not save them, they do have an advantage. And in verse number 2, Paul points out this religious Advantage. Verse number one, they asked the question, what advantage then hath the Jew? Verse number two, Paul says, much every way. Boy, I love the way he answered that. What advantage do we have? Paul said, you have all the advantage in the world. Chiefly, because that unto them, unto you, the Jews, were committed the oracle's of God. Paul, if what you're saying is true, then what's the benefit of our Jewish heritage? What's the benefit of the law if you're saying that we're still guilty? Paul said, I'll tell you what the advantage is. You have access to the Word of God. That is your advantage. Unto you was committed the oracles of God. Paul under Paul's answer was that they had not been deceived, but that they had missed understood. The word of God had not deceived them but they had misapplied it and they were putting their faith in the wrong thing but they did have a huge advantage over those that had never heard. You see they said what advantage is there to being a Jew? Paul said you have a huge advantage. You've got the prophets. Unto you and your people was given the word of God. You have got the prophets. You have the prophecy of the Messiah. You've got all the signs You've got all the all the uh, marks. You're able to look for him. You know that he's coming. The other nations don't know anything about him. You've got the prophets who tell you of a coming Messiah. You have an advantage there. He said, not only that. He said, but you've got the law. And in the law, we clearly demonstrate that atonement comes through the shedding of innocent blood. You've got the picture of your redemption. You've got the promise of a Messiah. say to me that your heritage is of no benefit. You have a huge advantage in that you have the oracles of God. They said, Paul, you're saying to me, you're saying to me that everything I've trusted in is of no good. Paul said, oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Instead of putting your faith in it, you should have listened to it and allowed it to direct you to put your faith in Christ. We see that they said that they had been deceived, but Paul said, no, no, you have a huge advantage. Being a Jew didn't save them, but it gave them a tremendous advantage in being able to come to salvation Today there are many who ask the same question. If going to church doesn't save me, then why should I go to church? If being baptized doesn't save me, then why should I be baptized? If joining a church doesn't secure my eternity, then why would I bother being a church member? They ask these questions. If this stuff isn't going to save me, why would I do it? Well, I'll tell you why you ought to do it. Because the benefit is the revelation of God through His Word. You know what? We go out and we encounter unchurched people and we invite them to church. Why do we invite unsaved people to church? Because it is here that they can hear the exposition of the Word of God. And the exposition of the Word of God is what will lead them to salvation. There's a huge advantage. There are many who have grown up in church. I grew up in church. My dad was saved when I was uh, two months old. And uh, by the time I was old enough to... realize what was going on around me. My dad was assistant pastor of the church where we attended. I was in church my whole life. We went to church every time the doors were open at our church or anybody else's church. We were in church all the time. It was just what we did. It was how we lived. Uh, uh, Everything else about life revolved around the central hub of the fact that we went to church. That's how I grew up in church. At nine years old, I accepted Christ as my own personal Savior. Do you know what? For those first nine years, I had a tremendous advantage over the other nine-year-olds whose parents didn't go to church, who had never heard the Word of God explained, who had never been told the plan of salvation. I had a tremendous advantage because I knew and understood the Word of God. You know what, there there are those who grow up in church though. They hear the word of God preached and being taught and they never put their faith in Christ, but instead they put their faith in the fact that they grew up in church. And they grow up and they become adults and they're counting on the fact that I was sprinkled when I was a baby or I was baptized as a young person or I I went to church my whole life and they put their faith in that but they've never trusted in Christ. The advantage is not that you get a free pass, but the advantage is that you are exposed to the Word of God. And by being exposed to the Word of God, the Word of God reveals who God is. The Word of God reveals who you are and it reveals what God requires of you for salvation. Going to church doesn't save us, but it does expose us to God and His Word making it easy to understand and put our trust in Him. You know, they say often that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. If we could tweak that illustration a little bit. If you drop a fresh bag of potato chips in front of most anyone and you open it and you just leave it sitting there facing them, sooner or later, even if they're trying to watch their figure, they're going to reach in there and snag one. You know what? That's what the advantage is here. Going to church doesn't save you, but the advantage is the continual exposition of the Word of God that is explaining and describing over and over and over again how to come to salvation. The The first objection is we've been lied to. The second objection... Paul states that if the religious are guilty, then the religious feel that the Scripture is ineffective. The Scripture is ineffective. We've come to our second objection now. The first objection is in verse number 1. The answer is in verse number 2. The second objection is in verse number 3. And here the religious are objecting to Paul saying they're guilty by saying if we are guilty, then the Scripture is ineffective. Romans 3 and verse number 3, For what if some did not believe? Shall their belief make the faith of God without The objection here is coming from a place of denying their own accountability concerning their salvation. Instead of acknowledging the fact that they misunderstood what their heritage meant to them, they want to accuse the Bible of being unclear. Boy, I'm telling you what, have you not run into that once in a while? The reason I'm not saved is because I can't understand the Bible. The reason I've never put my faith in Christ is because there's so many denominations. The reason I've never put my faith in Christ is because nobody can seem to agree on what the Bible teaches. Uh, Boy, I'm telling you what, we blame our our lack of salvation on saying that the Word of God is ineffective. There's a problem with the Scripture. That's why I'm not saved. They said there in verse number 3, For what if we don't believe? Shall our unbelief make the faith of God without effect? The question is, if we don't believe, doesn't this mean that God's Word is ineffective in communicating the truth? You know, this is why you should never, ever take lightly the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. I probably experience I don't don't like to say that I'm a stressed individual, but I will say it in this. I experience more stress preparing sermons than in anything else that I face in life because I am so concerned that I don't say, preach, or teach something that isn't the truth. doesn't matter what I've always heard. doesn't matter what I've always been told. I want to make sure that what I'm saying is is the truth. Melissa came up to my office Wednesday. I was preparing for the Wednesday night lesson. And uh, she said, how's the lesson prep going? I said, I'm doing a lot of reading here. I said, it was going well, but I came across a sentence. I said, and I want to make sure it's true. I said, so I've been reading for the last couple of hours to make sure that statement is accurate. I never want to take lightly the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. We need to make sure that it is carefully handled. And much of the confusion that exists in religious circles today comes from people who do not take seriously the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth. And instead, they use the Bible as a platform to defend their personal beliefs and their personal opinions. And they distort the word of God. And they leave people confused. And people say, I'm not saved because the Bible is unclear, it's ineffective. The Jews say, if you say we're guilty, then we say that Scripture is ineffective. But Paul answers this objection. In verse number 4, Paul says, God forbid. There is no way that the Word of God is ineffective. There is no way that this argument is going to hold any water before the judgment seat of Christ. There is no way that you are going to gain access by claiming that God didn't know what he was talking about. God forbid that you would even make such an accusation. He goes on to say, Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. What is the answer when man says that God's word is not enough? When they say God's word is unconscionable, clear. The answer is that God is true and men are liars. That is the truth. Paul says you would dare hold up the Bible as the reason that you have not accepted Christ. Let me explain to you. God is true and you're a liar. Anyone who truly desires to know and understand the Word of God, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit of God will open His Word to us. Let God be true and every man a liar. The problem isn't God's Word. The problem is man's mistreatment of God's Word. The confusion that many people face doesn't stem from God being unclear. It stems from corrupt doctrines of men who seek to find a way of salvation besides putting faith and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul then raises a third objection. The third objection that Paul presents turns attention away from Scripture and aims it directly at God, accusing God of using them to His own benefit and then judging them for it. And boy, we could get into some deep doctrine here, but we're just going to look at the surface of what Paul is talking about. In essence, they are saying in this third objection, If what you say in chapter 2 is true, Paul, then God is unjust. If what you're saying is true, that because uh, uh, we uh, have been uh, Jews uh, and we have complied to the law, but we are not saved, if that is true, then God is unjust. We see here in verse number 5, the objection is thus, but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous? who taketh vengeance. We'll read that again. But if our unrighteousness, commend, and that that word would mean to exhibit or bring to the forefront, that word commend, if our unrighteousness uh, highlights the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous? who taketh vengeance. The objection here is this. If God is using our unrighteousness to highlight His righteousness, then it would be unjust for Him to judge us. If because of our wrongdoing, we are if God is able to highlight His holiness, then He is using our wrongdoing to exalt Himself and He would be wrong to judge us for something that makes Him look good. Paul says later on, we'll get to this chapter later on in our study, but Paul says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. They said if God is using our unrighteousness to highlight His holiness, then He would be wrong to judge us. Paul answers that it's foolish to assume this. If the righteousness of God is highlighted by our unrighteousness, it doesn't excuse us, but it rather condemns us. This is a foolish thing to state and Paul answers it in the same way as he answered the former objection in verse number 6 when he says, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? The basis for his judgment is His righteousness. He isn't using your unrighteousness to highlight His righteousness. No, no. His righteousness is highlighting your unrighteousness. You have got it backwards in your mind if you think that God is using your wickedness to make Himself look good. No, no. The holiness of God is what is revealing the black and the sin and the dirt that lives in your soul. Paul said, God forbid that you would ever think that. God will judge this world according to His righteousness and your works, your religious works cannot ever obtain the righteousness of God. The basis for His judgment is His righteousness. There is no excuse for our unrighteousness when a way of salvation has been provided. Paul then concludes his answer to the objections of the religious with a clear statement in verse number 9. Here we see the conclusion of these objections. All are condemned. Verse number 9, what then? This is the Jews asking, what then? Are we better than they? We have this advantage in having the gospel. Are we better than they, the heathen and the moral? People, Paul answers, no, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. That phrase are all under sin, uh, indicates that all human beings are under or controlled by the power of sin. All are under Sin. So are the religious better than the moral or the heathen? No. All are under the power of sin. The only escape from the power and penalty of sin is found through repentance and faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do the religious have an advantage? Yes. They do have an advantage. What is their advantage? They are exposed to the Word of God. But with advantage, greater advantage, comes greater responsibility. You remember in chapter number 1, he said that the Gentiles were a law unto themselves because their conscience judged, both accusing and excusing. The Jew had the oracles of God. And so not only does he have an advantage, but he's much more accountable to God if he rejects the knowledge that God has given him. I see this as a tremendous warning to the church today. Those who sit under the continued preaching of the Word of God, those who hear the Word of God expounded and explained, those who listen and understand the way of salvation, but they refuse to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They refuse to repent. They refuse to call on God for salvation. They have the advantage of hearing the Word of God, but they have the accountability of having the Word of God, and they will be held accountable much greater so if they reject the Word of God. All are condemned. There is no salvation. There is no salvation but through the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing that I can do of myself. There is nothing I can do in myself. There is no amount of good deeds that I can do. There is no amount of religion I can adhere to that will merit eternity. The only thing that will merit eternity is to recognize myself as an undone, ungodly sinner repent of my sin and turn in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ recognizing that in and of myself there is nothing I can do but through him I can live eternally in heaven they begin chapter number three with this question what advantage then do we have the advantage they have is the advantage that everyone in this building has this morning you have heard and understood the preaching of of the Word of God. God has made it easy for you to put your trust in Him. If we would, let's all stand to our feet. Miss Debbie will make her way to the piano. As Miss Debbie comes to the piano this morning, I'd love to invite you, if you have never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'd do so today. Perhaps you faithfully attend church. Perhaps you come to church, you're faithful to church, but perhaps you're trusting in the fact that you come to church to be what's going to get you to heaven. Whenever someone asks you if you're going to go to heaven when you die, you're like, well, I go to church faithfully. Let me tell you that that's not going to do it. The only thing, the only thing that will secure your eternity is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Miss Debbie plays on the piano, if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you come. Christians, pray you. this, but uh, this morning I I feel the Lord would have us to do this. You keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor John, over the last several weeks you've been preaching on salvation. You've been preaching on putting our faith in ourself and r- rather than putting our faith in Christ. And Pastor John, I'm just not sure. Some of what you've been preaching has caused some questions in my heart to I'm beginning to wonder, am I trusting in myself? I'm beginning to wonder, have I put my trust in Christ? If there's someone here this morning and you're a person and you say, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I'm not going to embarrass you. not going to call your name. But I do want to pray for you. I don't believe the Lord would lead us to these passages of Scripture and these sermons unless there are folks who the message applies to. And so this morning, if the Lord spoke to your heart or if you're troubled and you're troubled about your salvation, it's something you're thinking about and seeking about, and praying about, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to call your name, not going to acknowledge you. No one's looking around. I just want to pray for you. Anyone here like that? Anyone at all? I appreciate each of you, appreciate your attention, appreciate you coming to the Lord's house. And as I said before, God's Word don't go forth in vain. And whoever you are that the Lord is working on your heart, I pray that you will listen to Him. I pray that you'll take the Word of God seriously. You have a tremendous advantage. Don't let it pass you by. Allow God to work. In your life. Don't forget this evening, Brother Eloyd Herona uh, is going to be with us. He and his wife will be singing for us, preaching for us, looking forward to them being here with us. Appreciate each and every one of you being in the Lord's house this morning. Brother Colin, would you pray and dismiss us from the service?
3: Thank you. Be Just pray, you know, Lord, we continue to
1: pray. We have to promote the gospel message in this church, blessing to what we Let us do what we do with your words God call for bring us back at the disappointed point in time. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.